we pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good to be here this morning. From the opening trumpet blast with the organ and the prelude to singing the hymns to hearing Mr. Clark read the readings today, it's good to be here. There's something about it that's just good. And if you were asked me to put my finger on it, I... I think it's different for each person. For some, it's the community of people that they greeted them before they came into the sanctuary. For some, it's the the people who greeted them on the way out of the sanctuary. For others, it's the music. For others, it's just being in this absolutely beautiful place. And for at least three of us, it's the message and the preaching that really gets people (laughs) jacked up. I grew up for two years in Hartley, Iowa, and I really didn't like to go into that church. It was kind of scary. It just was scary. And maybe it was because I was just a little boy. It was kindergarten and first grade there. But I, I, even as I wrote this sermon, I, I remember how it smelled. I, I remember the green of the sanctuary. I, I just kind of was scary. And it had a basement that smelled like a basement in the Midwest. It, it wasn't like this. I came in here this morning shortly before six o'clock and shot a little video to put on my Facebook live piece and it's peaceful and calm. Anticipating almost in the, in the air of the building, the beauty of the music and the worship and the people today. It's really good to be here. It really, really is of the best things of our life to be here. But we can't stay. We can't just sleep on the pews. Some sleep while sitting in the pews, but very few sleep while (laughs) laying down in the pews. And if someone's laying down in the pews already, just put a hymnal on them and let them have it. But we have to go out of here today. About another 40 minutes, we're going to be out of here. We'll and getting after real life in the real, in the real world, the real challenges with real people, with real things going on, and our life kind of evolving and moving like a timeline, and we wonder where we're going to go and what it's going to be like and what it's going to look like, and all of those, all of those pieces of life kind of line up across the continuum of our years. Peter and James and John. John, James, and Peter, Peter, James, and John, always in the right place in the right time, always have it all together, it seems. And so Jesus took his three pets, Peter, James, and John. You can almost hear the other nine guys going, yeah, right, it's always Pete and Jimmy and Johnny, they're always going with Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter, James, and John were in a good place, a place where they could get used to As they see Moses, the greatest lawgiver, and Elijah, the greatest prophet, with Jesus, the Son of God, and Jesus' clothes dazzle and are transfigured before them. Jesus, the Messiah, the voice rings down from heaven, and God the Father says, this is the guy. If you're looking for another guy, stop looking. Jesus is the guy. This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well. Please listen to Jesus. 
It was good to be there. Peter knew it. And from one moment he went, it's good to be here, to afraid. And in his fear, Jesus walked over and touched him and said, Pete, it's going to be okay. We're going to go down, but we're going to go together. We'll be all right. Let's go. Let's go to the cross. Jesus set his face to the cross after the transfiguration. It wasn't this glory, then another glory. It was this glory, then the cross. It was the mountain and then the valley. The glory of God was going to be revealed to the world, but not on a mountaintop like that. It was going to be revealed on a cross. Jesus was getting into the real world. He wasn't going to have construction on the Mount of Transfiguration. There was more to do. There was a mission to accomplish. And he wasn't going to be sidelined by the glory that was there on that mountain. And so he turned toward Jerusalem, toward his mission, towards the cross, towards the work of bringing salvation to you and me and to all of mankind. His job, his mission, his glory is to save his people from their sins, from death and from the power of the devil. And his mission went from, I don't know, maybe he's a miracle worker or a lawgiver, a prophet to he is the savior of the world, the son of God. This is my son, the father said. Listen to him and clarity and focus came to the disciples and most certainly to the Lord Jesus, who weeks later from that time would step up on the cross, raised up, drawing all humanity unto himself and scream in a loud voice. It is finished. A long way from the glory of let's build a house and let's hang out. At the cross, the crowd scatters. The people are gone. But Jesus in the cross delivers life and salvation and forgiveness and closeness to God for humanity, for you and me. But at that cross, probably no one would turn around and say, it's really good to be here. He was alone with ladies crying by him and John there, but Peter long gone and James long gone, but John taking care of Jesus' mom and life ebbs and flows for Peter, James, John, for Jesus, for you and me, life ebbs and flows. It's like we're on a continuum and many, many, many of those days are glorious. Make no mistake, our lives are wonderful. We have really good lives. When asked to, 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 to highlight some of those things, you could sit with one another for an hour and say, I remember when we did this and I remember when we did that. I remember when we took that trip. I remember that vacation with the children. I remember that cruise and our child getting lost on the cruise ship. I remember traveling to Europe, to Israel, to Hawaii, to Arizona, to South Dakota. I love the relationships, the glorious relationships that I have and, and the people who love uh, all around us. Those good moments in our timeline, we, we look and say, this is a good one and this is a good one and this is a good one and this is a good one. And we have scads of marvelous, glorious pieces of our lives that are a blessing. Probably even some places you've been where you'd say, let's stay. Northern Idaho. Let's stay. Corona Del Mar is the sunsets. Let's stay. But for the love of life, 
you always got to get in the car and go back to where you live, which really ain't too bad either. There's more to life than those glorious moments. And that's what Jesus shows us here. For in the continuum of our lives, there are those transformational times, the, the moments from which nothing is the same again. And if we begin to talk about those and think about those, there's not millions of them. If it is, we need to talk after church because you're going to die. It just doesn't work that way. There's, in my life, maybe six. And maybe one happening on March 3rd as my son gets married. Transforming moments from which nothing is the same. I had one of those. I had a number of those. 1999 was one of those. It was one of those man up years. You really want to be a pastor in a big church? Then you better man up, big guy. And you better put the approval monster in the closet and you better toughen up because if you're going to be a senior pastor at St. John's, you better be a whole lot tougher and more mature than your stupid 34 years are right now. Things were never the same. Now it's really good. 1983 was like that too. 1982, I graduated from Orange Lutheran High School. And of course, at 18 years old, you know everything, right? And I was no exception to that rule, maybe even a little worse for my parents. I knew everything about everything. Working for $5 an hour and a manager as a McDonald's, pulling down about 150 bucks a week, I thought I had hung the moon. All the french fries and hamburgers and soda you could eat. Something happened there that I've been fighting the rest of my life. <laughs> I was going to school at Cal State Fullerton, working part-time in Santa Ana. I had money in my pocket. I had a Pinto to drive. I had sold my Capri and blew up to Cal State Fullerton back when it was small, back when you could actually find a parking space there and you knew how to work in and out of the thing. But my fun factor was more important than everything else. And being a big man in the eyes of my friends was what I was after more than anything else. And I thought I had a secret going on. I thought I knew everything. I thought I had it all figured out. I, I thought I was dialed into a glorious life. Chasing girls, staying out late, pulling grades that were good enough to stay in school, but definitely not to go any farther. I thought I was on my way to something, but I had no idea what it was. And in the inside, there was this turmoil in my heart that said, you're going nowhere and you know it. But being a good Lutheran, I was able to kind of swallow hard, put a smile on and say, it's all fine. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good. My father was an astute observer of his family. He knew us better than we knew ourselves. And we didn't know that at the time. Now we know that. We knew that a 50-year-old father is smarter than an 18-year-old son. And my father invited me not to a glorious moment, but to a moment at a cross of his choosing at La Esquina Restaurant up on the corner of Brea Boulevard and Harbor. Where the chips were good and the salsa was fantastic and the carnitas tacos. I didn't even know what carnitas were then. I just knew that they were the best tacos in the world. And all of the things I was hiding from my father and mother, I, 
my father knew all about and brought up in that intervening moment. He knew about the associations, the friends, the drinking, the messing around. He knew about the moments of my timeline of which I was ashamed. And while my father had spent almost four years in the service in the army down in Fort Bliss, Texas, I thought for sure he had spent a lifetime at Quantico for the CIA, knowing exactly what his son was doing. It was one of those moments on my timeline that I circle and say, from that conversation, that two hours, nothing was ever the same again. My parents had a little bit of a hands-off on us. They weren't controlling in any way, but they were guiding and loving and strong and tough. And I picked up and I moved on my father's dime to St. Paul, Minnesota and went to school. A year from that time, I met my wife. And a year from that, I started to study to be a pastor. Something I never ever thought I would do when I was 18 in 1983. Circle those times on your timeline where things are painful and hard and tough and from which you're never the same again. Because the Lord does not always operate in glory on a hill of transfiguration. Sometimes he operates on the dark hill of the cross and reveals himself in those situations of life that are transforming as they are tough. And we see glimpses of his glory in our lives and for those, we're profoundly grateful because those moments of glory energize us for life in the real world. It's good to be here in the glory, and yet it's good to be at the foot of the cross. It's good to have those times of lightheartedness and love and celebration because they equip us for those times that are redemptive because they're so darn tough. And he delivers a faith and a resilience and a word that people like to hear now, a, a grit to our souls. That having gone through those difficult moments, we're never the same again. And that's a really, really good thing. It steals us for what's yet to come. Thank God he came down and said, Jesus is the one. Thank God Jesus picked up his cross and went to Golgotha. And thank God that we have faith in him and hope for the future in Jesus Christ. Because that makes you of the strongest and most resilient people in the history of the world. And if you don't look at it, believe that. Look at Peter, James, and John. John, James, and Peter. Pete, Jimmy, and Johnny. Peter. A fisherman from nowhere who was loud, brash, middle of nowhere, was summoned to Rome by the Emperor Nero and, and called to stand in front of the most powerful man in the world. He was nothing. And he was hung on a cross upside down 
whose name and reputation go on forever. So convicted of the glory and so convicted of the cross. He was crucified upside down because he didn't want to have anyone associate his death with the death of the Lord Jesus. All glory going to God. And James. Herod Agrippa said, I got to get rid of these stupid Christians. They're driving me crazy. And so Herod Agrippa had James beheaded. And the man who executed him was so taken by his courage and his faith that he himself, along with his assistant, confessed Christ in that moment. And they too were martyred with James that day by Herod Agrippa. And John, the grandpa of the early church, the one who speaks of people at a well of Jesus, a good shepherd, who speaks of a man born blind, of Peter's foibles, John the man who lived to about 100 AD, who revealed to us in his writing from his heart the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, who showed us light and dark, the signs and the miracles, who always has a heart for the lost and the broken, that John who knew the ups and downs of glory and darkness, of glory and the cross. Today we gather in a sanctuary, in a congregation that bears his name. Courage, boldness for Peter, James, John, you and me. Jesus taps us on the shoulder and says, it's okay, don't be afraid, I'm with you. And the story of your life is being lived out day by day and bit by bit and moment by moment. It's good to be here with the Lord and being here with the Lord emboldens us to pick up our crosses and the challenges of our life, but to do so with great courage, with great faith and with hope in our hearts that the Lord is with us in the moments of glory and for us on his cross. There will be that day for each one of us where it'll be really dark and our eyes will close and the nurses will push away and things will go black. Then the eyes open and the glory of God is revealed. Not just for a moment or a day of our lives, but for all eternity in heaven with Jesus. The glory of God is ours here and now. And one day, forever and ever. Amen.